Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. I'm going to start with a question. So, is there, and you guys can have have a little bit of feedback here with me if you want. Um, not if you want. Let me need some feedback. So, um, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. Um, anybody have any television shows or series that you binge watch? That if if you uh, if there's nothing else on Netflix and most of it's you know not worth watching them, but if there's nothing else that you can stream, nothing else that you can kind of watch. If it all, if you need a default thing to go, you know what? I'm not sure what to watch, but we can turn this on again. Does anybody have a show or a series like that that well that's appropriate for church? All of it should be appropriate for church, but just I just want to put that disclaimer out there. <clears throat> anybody got a show like that? Anybody? Else? Korean drama. <clears throat> the which one? Korean dramas. Korean dramas. Do they have to overdub the the English like language on top of it? Oh no, I don't. Look, I don't watch that one. Oh okay, gotcha. All right. I actually speak a little Korean now. Oh nice. <laughs> You're learning from the television show. That's awesome. Education, folks. Education. <laughs> Anybody else got a show that they binge watch? Anybody? Just shout it out there. Anybody? The Chosen. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Mine is far less holy than The Chosen. Um, mine is uh, <clears throat> mine is The Office. Anybody ever watch The Office, the television show The Office? Um, I didn't get it at first. Like I watched the first couple episodes, and then it kind of picked up, and I was like, "Oh, this is hilarious!" And so me and Nina have you know traveled all over the place, and that series is well over a decade old, right? Like almost fifteen years ago it started. So, and it's been off the air for a long time. But that's the one that we kind of default to, right? Like I know um, if there's nothing else on television. Or there's nothing else we really care to watch, and we we're in the mood for something funny. <clears throat> right before we go to bed, we can pop on a, a episode of The Office, even though I already know everything that's going to happen in them. I know what's going to happen. I know what the pranks. I know the jokes. I know the dialogue. I know all that. Right. I know all of the uh, the little intros, like the parkour one. If you guys know what I'm talking about, like where the guys are like jumping on the couch and screaming parkour, thinking they're doing parkour and they're not. Um, the one where they play. Uh, where Jim pranks Dwight all the time and putting his desk in different places and the red wire up the telephone pole. And even my favorite one's when he pranks Andy and takes his phone with the ringer and throws it in the ceiling and just keeps calling it over and over and he can't find it. <clears throat> and he's got his uh, acapella group as his ringer. Here comes treble. And if you're like, what are you talking about? Just you got to watch the series. But um, so I have watched that over and over and over so many times that I know what's coming. I know what scene is next. I know what um, what people are going to do and say and what happens. I still go and watch it. It's not anything new. It's not anything different, but I still go back and watch it. <clears throat> All right. So um, so there's I've only heard one or two television series. Anybody got a movie that they default to that they just really like watching over and over again? Anybody? Anybody? Shout them out there. You're afraid to say it, aren't you? You guys are chickens today. Y'all are chickens. Um, anybody got a movie that you rewatch over and over? Anybody? Just go with it. Just go with it. Adam Sandler. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, there you go. Thank you, Brian, for not leaving me hanging. Um, okay. So mine are, I love the uh, Indiana Jones series. I loved them as a kid. I fell in love with it when I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. <clears throat> you know, and I don't know about you, but when I watch these movies over and over and over again, I can repeat the lines. So there's like, there's this one scene for Indiana Jones where um, 
he they they figure out like they're looking in the chamber of souls or something like that and they find the big lid to the 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 uh, the, the pyramid or the cave or whatever and they pull it off and there's this and he has a friend in the movie i don't even know what his name is but he's like a middle eastern guy and i don't even know if he's really a middle eastern guy but he's got that accent you know it's very distinct and so um they pull the lid off and they're all looking down and it's this really deep cavern that they got to go into and the middle eastern guy goes hindi why does the ground move and he takes his torch and he drops it on the ground and then it lights up the ground and it's just covered in hundreds and thousands of different breeds of snakes and then you know then he looks down and he rolls over and he what did he say snakes why does it have to be snakes you know, then his Middle Eastern friend looks over and goes, asps, very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I've watched the movie so many times that I know that the next line is coming. I've memorized the lines. Um, Lord of the Rings, there's two words that define the whole Lord of the Rings series. Anybody know what it is? My precious. My precious. There we go. And but, but it's not said like that. It's more like, my precious, right? Like that, you know, groveling voice. Um... My, one of my top, I'm going to tell my wife here a little bit, uh, one of her top five, maybe her top three favorite movies of all time is Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. And it's like an old comedy, you know, fat guy in a little coat and he rips the jacket or whatever. <clears throat> and we know because we've watched these movies together over the two plus decades of our marriage, we've watched a lot of these together and we know what lines are coming. We know what scene is coming next. And we just go back and forth over. And there are sometimes, there are sometimes that I am, that I am so uh, plugged into the movie that even though I know that this big famous line is coming, even though I know that there's this big famous line coming, I um, if my phone rings or somebody talks or God forbid Charlie barks again. You know, <clears throat> and it, I have to go and, you know, yell at him, stop, you know, because the neighbor's going to wake up or whatever. If I have to do that, then I'll actually go back in there and rewind the the series. You know, I'll, I'll go, I'll rewind it again one time <clears throat> so that we can see, um, I'll rewind it so that I can see that one little space, even though I know 100% what's already been said. And then, hi, um, and then... If uh, like even Nina does this and probably some of you ladies might have some of the same thing is that when she's doing laundry or something during the week, she'll kick on a movie like some Hallmark movie that has the same plot with different people in it. Right. <clears throat> and um, she'll she'll come in here and check the laundry and then go back in the room and then she'll miss the part. And even though she knows the part, she'll rewind it. I do the same thing. And it's like we go back over and over and over it again all the time. That is exactly what people who are wounded do. They will rethink about the entire scenario of how they got hurt. And they will, just like those episodes, rewind and play, rewind and play, rewind and play. And they'll think about it over and over and over again. They'll go back to the situation. They'll go back to, <clears throat> they'll go back to the, the moment that 
everything went that popped off or the person the moment that the person said that one phrase that just dug into you or the moment that there was some type of um there was some type of uh, uh understanding that what this person was doing to you behind the scenes or the moment you lost the job or the moment that you were demoted or the moment that someone said whatever that phrase was that hurt you so bad, and they will record that moment and then go back over it and play it like a rerun episode, like a, uh, like a movie that you already know the plot to, like the lines you already have them memorized, but you will think about it over and over and over again. And every single time you replay the situation that caused the wound, you are delaying your healing. If someone, God forbid, came and stabbed you in the leg, you had a big gaping wound open, and we took you to the hospital and they sewed it up, and you got home, would you rip the, the, the stitches out and open the wound back even, even larger than it was before? No. But when you replay the scenario, and you almost relive it. You start to breathe hard. Your, your blood pressure begins to rise. You can feel that anxiety again of like it almost was happening again to you in your mind and in your heart. It, what you're doing is you are delaying your healing because you are ensuring that wound will never close. Every time you grab the remote in your mind and replay the situation. Some of us have replayed those situations so much we remember what the person was wearing. We remember where we were sitting. We remember we were, where we were standing. We remember how we got there and how we left. We remember the, the sweat that was running off our brow. We remember choking back the tears. We remember the confusion. We remember the questions that we asked in our head and our heart. And every single time we rewind play, rewind play, we are ensuring that our wound never heals. <clears throat> we're ensuring that we're going to keep bleeding. We are making sure by our own acts and our own decisions that we are never going to be right. Because we replay it constantly. There's a, if you're over the age of 20 in this room, um, you probably, um, I can probably ask this question and you answer it. Where were you on September 11th? Where were you? I remember where we were. We were on a staff retreat. We were in San Diego. We had just got there like to a day and a half before. Me and Kobe slept in because he was like probably just a few months old. And we were, you know, we were, I was laying there with him in the, you know, in the bed and we were just kind of knocked out in a hotel and Nina ran upstairs and grabbed me and said, somebody said, we're under attack. We're under attack. I remember where we were. I remember I was like, what are you talking about? I remember the people on the beach running down the shore and crying openly because they didn't know what was going on. And <clears throat> they, they thought it was like an all out assault on the nation. And, and if I ask you where you were, you probably remember because it was a life defining moment, but also because for the next several weeks, months, and even years, the, the images of those planes hitting those buildings were played over and over and over and over again. 
People told their stories. We heard the horrific uh, accounts of people jumping out of the window because it was either jump out of the window on their own terms or be burned alive in the building. We heard all the, the stories of the of the, um, the, the firemen and the policemen and those people that were covered in ash and soot from the buildings collapsing. We heard uh, from, from government officials and we heard, you know, George Bush saying, who was the president at the time, standing out there and people telling them, I can't hear you when he was talking in that, in that megaphone. We remember where we were because it was a defining moment for us, but we haven't forgotten any of that. It gets embedded in our mind because we watch it over and over and over again. So if we're going to heal, last week we talked about forgiveness. Yes, that is a massive step. But there's no way we're going to heal. There's no way we're going to forgive if we keep rewinding that situation over and over again and keep playing it again. We're not going to heal. So the first thing that I'm laying out in front of you today, if I could tell you to do this, I would be strong, I would, I would step forward and be strong enough to do it, but I can't make you. What I would implore you to do is change the channel. Change the channel. Stop running that stuff over and over and over in your mind. Stop rehashing it because you are ensuring the wound will last forever. Have you ever watched a movie and um, <clears throat> you ever watched a movie and were so certain that because it was one of your favorite movies or whatever that it was that you had the, the line right in the movie? And then when you went back and watched the movie, you found out, oh, I was kind of wrong on what the line was. There, I'm a Star Wars guy, right? Like, um, so one of the, and my wife, believe it or not, for all you guys who are going to be wildly offended at this, but she'd never watched the Star Wars movies before we got married. And so I introduced her into the, the world of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, right? And after she watched him, she goes, oh, I get it. I understand now, right? Um, but one of the famous characters who has a whole bunch of quotable lines in the movie is Yoda, right? And I always, when I saw the movie, I always tried to do like his voice, right? And so anybody got a good Yoda impression in the room? Anybody? No Yoda impressions? You got one? No. No? Anybody? <clears throat> well, I was always trying to do the Yoda, right? And so I memorized his line, and his line was, there is no try, only do. <laughs> right? So that's a terrible Yoda. But I mean, like, this is the closest I got, because y'all didn't try. Y'all didn't help me out, so I got to do it. <clears throat> but so, you know, and that's, I kept saying that over and over. There is no try, only do. There is no try, only do. Well, the problem is, is that's not the quote. The quote is, do or do not. There is no try. Do or do not, there is no try. See, I was convinced because I had watched it so many times, I was convinced that what I remembered was right. Anyway, ever watched the movie Field of Dreams, the baseball movie? I hate baseball, but I mean, it's boring. If you want to take a nap, you know, or whatever and snore, um, then I, I put on some baseball for me, right? <clears throat> right? I'll just knock right out. But you ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? What's the line from the movie Field of Dreams at the popular one? Anybody? If you build it, they will come, right? Did you know that's not the, that's not the line? It's not the line. There's a, it's, a, it's a little different. It's if you build it, he will come. 
I thought it was they because all the people came at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? But it's not if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it, he will come. See, all of us were convinced. What do you mean that's not the line? I watched that movie. I've seen it. I've heard that before. All of us were convinced, but the thing that we remember may not exactly be right. When uh, we were living in Texas, Kobe was about seven, and um, I was on a phone call doing something for Frontline or the church or whatever, you know, and I was, and I was trying to, you know, listen and book something and schedule something, and he walked in like any normal seven-year-old, and he was kind of being loud, and he was just free and singing, and I couldn't hear the person on the phone. I couldn't hear him, and so I looked at him, and I'm like, hey, bud, no singing, no singing, you know, so I could hear him, and he's like, and then he walked off. Well, I noticed after that, I would say, okay, but I'm on the phone. And then in the coming months, I'll be like, hey, what's that song you were singing? He goes, oh, I don't want to sing. And I was like, what happened? He was walking around the house, bouncing around, just singing. And then like a year later, a year later, he goes, dad, why are you always asking me to sing? I'm like, because I love your voice, dude. You can sing really good. And he goes, oh. And I'm like, what? He goes, remember that one time when I walked in the room and you told me not to sing? That was because you were on the phone and you couldn't hear. And I went, yeah, what did you think? He goes, if my dad's telling me, no, stop singing, he must think I'm not good. Okay, so now all of us go, that's so sad and cute at the same time, right? Maybe, maybe what we remember is impacted by our maturity. Maybe the scenario that we think has been so true was actually something we misjudged. Because I did tell him to stop singing, and it did have some type of impact or wound or hurt in his heart because he's like why does my dad think i can't sing kid didn't sing for almost a year he didn't understand because he was a child maybe the thing that we have taught ourselves is the thing that really happened maybe it's not exactly how we remember it Maybe there's just a little difference. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe in our mind, because we were hurt and processing everything, our memories through this filter of being angry and frustrated and how dare you and all of those feelings that are rising up, maybe, maybe it's not as bad as we remember. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that it wasn't impactful, but it might not be as vindictive, as evil as hurtful as we remembered it to be because we watch it over and over and over and over again and we have convinced ourselves that what happened in that moment is that exactly what happened and there's nothing anybody can do to tell me it was wrong because i was there i lived it but is there a possibility that that thing did hurt you but maybe you thought it was intentional, but it really wasn't. 
I'm not minimizing the wound. I'm not minimizing the hurt. I'm not saying it shouldn't be bleeding. I'm not saying you shouldn't have sustained a wound. I'm talking about when you replay that thing over and over and over in your mind and it gets worse every single time you replay it to yourself because you begin to ascribe motives that were unseen and unknown because you say, well, if they did that, they must have thought this. If they said this, then they must have been thinking this the whole time. <clears throat> You ever um, ever watch one of those shows and then gone back an episode to kind of get, or backed up in the movie to see what was coming and how they got into it? You ever done that in your mind? Backed up and thought, man, the whole situation was terrible and it was bad and it, I felt the blow, I, I still have the wound, but... Now I'm starting to trail back even further, even before that scenario happened. And I'm trying to replay going, where did I go wrong? How did I miss that? I feel stupid. I feel small. How, how could I miss that? How could I let somebody treat me that way? How could I let somebody talk to me that way? How could that happen? And you start going back and trying to recreate a narrative that might not be real. Maybe we're playing the wrong thing over and over and convincing ourselves of something that's actually a lie. So change the channel. Change the channel. Change the thing that your mind is resolving to. It would be very appropriate at this moment for somebody to be in here and be like, okay, that's cool. That's real self-helpy but I don't come here for self-helpy stuff. And you promised me you weren't going to give me all the self-helpy, feel-good, inspirational stuff, and that's true. So let's go to God's word. Philippians 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final, th final thing. <clears throat> Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. <clears throat> when we read the scripture, especially in the church nowadays, we focus on one of those things, pure. When we tell young men, make sure your thoughts are pure. We tell young women, make sure your thoughts are pure. It's almost like we became the, the moral behavior police in the church. Oh, don't, don't be thinking about that. Keep your mind away from those scenarios. Don't let your creativity run wild on that kind of stuff. You got you look, whatsoever things are pure. Because our country is overly and overly and increasingly more sexualized. But this command is not reserved for one specific issue. It's applied to everything we think about. Fix your thoughts. Fix, affix, point your focus towards, put on blinders and think about the things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise, worthy of celebration. Keep your mind focused on those things. Because if you are running a repeat and a rerun and a replay of all the things or that one major thing that happened in your life, that one major trauma, that one major wound, then what are you fixing your mind on? 
not this. Is the person who lied about you, the lie that hurt you so bad, regardless where it came from, uh, that would disqualify it as a thought because this says, think about what's true. Was it honorable how they, how they talked to you, how they treated you? No. Was it right? No. Was it pure? Was it, with, was it without some ulterior motive? Was it a, a thing that had no debris, no additives in it? Or was there a whole bunch of layers of stuff going on? Was it lovely? Was it admirable? Were their actions towards you admirable? Were they excellent? Were they worthy of praise? Were they worthy of being celebrated and remembered and touted as, look how I was treated? No. So why are you fixing your mind on this? Well, I'm replaying it, Matt, because I don't want to happen again. I get it. But if you had that wound on your leg, would you keep it open so it didn't happen on the other leg? Or would you let it heal and then put some guide rails and some boundaries in place to try to prevent it from happening again? None of us would keep the wound open. None of us would sit there and continue to bleed and be like, I don't want to forget this. <clears throat> I already paid the price on this leg. I don't want it to happen on this one. So I'm going to bleed out just so I don't make this, make sure this don't happen to me again. It's crazy. Replaying the situation and conversation over and over again in your mind is keeping the wound open and guarantees you will remain bleeding. <clears throat> if you missed part of the social media announcement that me and Anna put up last night, um, Nina was, uh, on behalf of Thrive Phoenix, she was invited to an event at the city close to downtown on a central, south of Encanto, I think, or where, somewhere down in that area. And she was invited and given an award from the city as, um, as someone who's working, doing good work in the community through, Fr through Thrive Phoenix. And um, if, you, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on the table over there. It was the, it, the plaques that they gave me as a kid were like this. This is like a big old giant frame and like this custom artwork and sponsorships and <clears throat> all of that. And so they gave her this massive frame and plaque that'll go in the Thrive office to recognize all the work that she's spearheading and, and leading. And the, the police gave her something called a challenge coin that they reserved for people who they're like, man, these guys are really doing great work in the community and gave it to her. <clears throat> and so they honored her last night on behalf of Thrive and, you know, and, and they had like 15 different people that were nominated and she was one of the three that were chosen for the work that we're doing. And, you know, last February we announced that we were going to do the Thrive thing. And then here we are not even 11, 12 months later and God's just kind of blown up on a bunch of doors and given us a bunch of access to help a bunch of people in the city. <clears throat> well, what, what we didn't know is we were like, oh, an award ceremony. So we don't, I mean, I don't really like, I got a suit for, you know, weddings and funerals, right? But I'm kind of like this most of the time. So we're like, we better dress up a little bit, you know? So we dressed up a little bit. It wasn't, you know, crazy, but we were, we looked nice and we went down there and got out. But what I didn't realize was the stage and the event was built around an all-day cosplay festival. Now, if you don't know what cosplay is, it's grown adults walking around in the costume of their favorite superhero movies. Okay? 
<clears throat> so we get out the car and there's, you know, my niece and my nephew and, and, and Lena's there with us and me and Nina and we're, you know, looking nice, you know, get out and we get out of the car and all of a sudden Wonder Woman walks by. We're like, this is odd. You know what I mean? And then some, some other lady was dressed like one of the ladies from the Marvel movies, like the Black Widow or something. And then, you know, and they had a car show going on over there. And then all of a sudden Gandalf from Lord of the Rings walks by. I didn't want to serve with Gandalf or Moses, but I missed, they didn't have like a booth with a Bible thing. So I figured he was Gandalf. He had the, 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 the big staff and the, you know, the, the, the wig on. And then there was the, uh, uh, <laughs> there's one guy who, this is totally had nothing to do with anything. It was just funny. He had a skin tight, skin tight um, Spider-Man uh, shirt only. He did not have the abs of Spider-Man, if you know what I mean. Like, he, like, that shirt did not cover all of him. You know what I mean? And he had, like, on, like, things over his shoes and stuff because he was really into Spider-Man. And I want these guys are walking all around. I'm like, <clears throat> holy cow, these are the people. And, oh, and at the end, after Nina got her award, they came down, took pictures, and the city council people were there, and the police officers and everything. They had, um, they had a geek trivia, the final, like, because they're all these, like, super you know, into all these things like these, these shows and these, these uh, Marvel movies and these animated superhero movies and stuff like that, right? And they're asking questions about, you know, how many moons does Endor have, you know, in Star Wars or whatever. <laughs> so this, I was like, this is crazy. And so, but while we were there, the people who knew how many moons on Endor there are, are the Star Wars junkies. They're not just people who know the movies or have seen them. Or appreciate the cinematic, you know, uh, effort that it took to create them. They're not just fans. They're not super fans. They are those people like on a subreddit thread that's nine years long talking about the different scenes that are in Star Wars. Like if my wife walked by and they're like, do you know Star Wars? And she goes, oh yeah, I watched the movie. It was, it was really nice. They would just stare at her in disbelief. Like, don't speak. <laughs> don't even talk about it if you think they're nice. Because they live in this world where it's almost as if it's part of their reality. <clears throat> I was trying to figure out, where do you rent costumes like this in mid-January? And then I realized, oh, no, they ain't renting them. These things are owned. These are in their closet and their box under their bed or hanging like on a, like in a display case, like, you know, like Mr. Incredible, you know, or whatever, <clears throat> like on their wall or something. And they're like, cosplay event. Oh, I get to wear it today. You know what I mean? Because they're so into it. And these are not people that you would ever think would do this. It looks like Bob from accounting, you know, like Sue from HR. Like these are like older people who are like in these outfits. They're walking around, but they are so ingrained in the story that I heard that some of these guys actually watch all of the new things like the Mandalorian, the spinoffs. They watch the new Star Wars movies, they watch the old ones, and then they watch them in order because they weren't filmed in order, and then they try to go back and go, wait a minute, this character talked to this character in episode nine, in the fourth scene, and they said this phrase, well, that means, that means that the whole thing is different. That means that, and then they come up with this whole subplot that's not even real. They dissect the story so much, more than the guy who wrote it. And they're so convinced that, how did the Millennium Falcon make the castle run in 12 parsecs? Well, it couldn't do that because 
the metal on the ship would bend. So that means aliens made the ship. You know, like they come up with these weird, like, like these crazy scenarios, right? Because they're so ingrained in it, it's almost become a part of their identity. And because they're so deeply ingrained and have watched these things and discussed it every time they get together with their friends, they, they start talking about things that could have possibly been true. That could have happened. That might have been what they meant. The director might have wanted it to go this way and then I bet the people who own the company didn't like that and they cut it off. That's why the plot line just ended there. <clears throat> they have all of these scenarios that they create because they are so deeply ingrained and watching that stuff over and over again that they have picked it apart and they start giving motives to people that may not even be real. Some of us do the same things. Wait a minute. Before, well, I remember now that when he walked in the room and before he said that to me, he talked to that, he talked to Sally. Maybe she thinks the same thing. Wait a minute, months ago, I heard him say this to this person in the break room and this to this person and when we were walking out in the parking lot, he's been trying to set this whole thing up for months. And we will create scenarios that aren't real because we refuse to let our mind think about something else. <clears throat> These guys who are at this event and the Star Wars and all that stuff, they're dressed like all like Darth Vader and Princess Leia with cinnamon buns on the side of her head or whatever, you know, like for her hair. <clears throat> All these guys who are in this role and playing, they're, they're dressed like stormtroopers and walking around with the fig plastic guns, you know what I mean? And they're clunk, clunk when they're walking around. All these guys, all of their conversations eventually resolve to the same subject. And that's the story that they love the most. And what happens when we replay these scenarios over and over again and we keep the wound open and we haven't forgiven and we're still bleeding, every conversation that we have ends up resolving and winding up goes back to that hurt. We can talk about something we just did with our kids and then bam, the conversation takes a left turn and goes right into the thing that happened to us six years ago. We can be talking about a new job or a new opportunity, or we could be at the grocery store and something can remind us because there's something that can remind us of, of that moment and we just start thinking about and talking about the thing that happened to us nine months ago. If every time you have a meaningful conversation, it lands on the wound it lands on the hurt. It lands with you talking about the story over and over and over again. My friends, lovingly, I'm telling you, if no one, none of your other friends will tell you, I'm telling you right now, you are still bleeding and you're bleeding all over everything and everyone. 
how do I know you're still doing that? Because I don't know how my friends put up with me when I was doing it. I can look back at my life and go, man, every conversation I had in this two-year span all resolved to that pain, that thing, because it was all I thought about. It was all I prayed about. It was all I mulled over. It was all I meditated on. It was all I would talk to Nina about. It was all I would talk to my friends about. I don't know how they dealt with me because it was always coming back to the pain. It was always coming back to the situation that caused the pain. Even my wife would ask me, you just told me this. I know, but I've looked to discovered a new piece of it that I want to tell you because it makes it that much more worse. It makes it that much more difficult to swallow. It makes it harder for me to bear. If you're replaying over and over and over and over again, you'll never get to the healing. And because you've not fixed your mind where it should be and you fixed your mind on the situation that hurt you, you are stuck at the moment of your wound. I got these new plans for the year. No, sounds good on paper. Your mind says I should have another step, another thing I should go to and put a goal out in front of me. But eventually when you try to climb the mountain, you're going to realize that the wound the wound is still bleeding. And every step you try to take forward is going to be more and more painful because you will not let that thing go. So what do we do? We look at our life and we look at God's word and we say, I am not doing that. I am not fixing my mind on what is good and pure and holy and, and worthy of praise and lovely and, and, and right. I'm not fixing my mind on that. What I'm fixing my mind on is how in the world are they going to pay the price for what they did to me? Jesus has asked a question in the, new, in, in, in the Gospels. He's asked a question about you know, about cheating on a wife and, and divorce and all that kind of stuff. And he, he goes back to them and says, yes, the law of Moses all says that. But those of you who even look at a woman, not even participate in the act of adultery, of, of sexual immorality, those of you who even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you're guilty of the same sin. What's he saying? Just because it didn't come out here doesn't mean that sin's not happening right here. And just because you're not standing up and getting online or telling your friends, I want that person to suffer. I want them to lose their job. I want their marriage to fall apart. I want them to hurt like I hurt. I want them to have their day of reckoning. I want them to, to, to come to grips with, the, with what they've done. I want them to hurt like I hurt. Even though that might not be coming out of here, it could still exist here. And guess what? If it happens here, God's still looking at you and his word says you're in the wrong it's a bitter pill for me to swallow 
that I had wasted so much time, so much energy, so much creativity. Um, I'm going back over all of the stuff in my mind and the, and the hurt. And I had convinced myself, no one's been hurt like I just got hurt. You might know something similar to it, but you have no clue what I'm dealing with. And I anointed myself as the one who's been hurt the worst. And all of us do that. Why? Because when I'm hurt, I could care less about your wound. I mean, I don't want it to bleed. Take care of yourself, but I got stuff I got to deal with. You ever said, I would like to help, but I got my own stuff to deal with? How long has that stuff been left alone and not dealt with? I am convinced God's going to lay some stuff in front of us going forward this year. And before he lays it in front of us, he's inviting us to the table to say, hey, let's go ahead and deal with the healing right now. Let's dry up these wounds. Let's fix your broken heart. Let's correct the brokenness that's in your soul. Let's stop you from bleeding before I go forward. Because if you're in any position of influence, any, in, any relationship you have, if you've got a wound, you are bleeding on them. <clears throat> when I get to the point where I have to say, I'm going to let them off my hook. If they don't get what I think they deserve for what they did to me, then so be it because I'm not in control. I'm not sovereign. I'm not God. So I'm going to stop right here and say, whatever happens to them, if it's not as bad as I want it to be, I'm going to be angry about it all over again. And if it's worse than I think it should be, then I'm going to feel bad that I, was it, was it me? Did I kind of make something like, did I say something to make that worse? It's a lose-lose situation when you keep your wound open. So you let them off the hook of your judgment. And when you let them off yours, you place them on God's and say, God, you are just, you are good, you are holy, you are powerful. You deal with them as you see fit because I have fixed my attention on this and I need to stop the bleeding. You put them on his hook and then you change the channel. I will not continue to go over this again and again and again and again in my mind. I will not make this worse. Because if you can stop doing that and leave it with him. Uh, I had the uh, custom made DVD set of what happened to me. I kept it nice. I always kept it in the wrapper so I wouldn't forget any little thing. I'm dropping these off to you, Lord. Because I'm putting them on your hook and I'm not going to spend my time watching them anymore. People are mad when the price of Netflix goes up. But we've never counted the cost of what we're paying by continually reliving our hurt. You're paying in currency of time. You're paying in the currency of peace of mind. You're paying in the currency of deeper relationships. You're paying in the currency of freedom.
when we leave that person on God's hook, that person who caused us the pain, when we leave them on God's hook and we cancel the subscription, we leave the, the memory of that wound with him and say, I don't even know what to do about it. I could never be as just as you. I'm not in control of it, but I will not stay there any longer. God, please heal me. Then there is a burden that is lifted from you because you're not responsible for what happens to the people who wounded you. And later on down the line, when the enemy pushes that reminder up in your head again, you can easily look at him and go, I canceled that subscription. And if you want to create any more ideas of something that bad that should happen to that person who hurt me, then you're gonna have to talk to God because he's the one who's handling the vengeance going forward. And when you do that, there is a, it's like a, a weight that is lifted off your chest. You can breathe, you can think again. You can start to think forward instead of just being stuck in what happened to me. You can follow God to the place he's leading. But Matt, I think they should hurt. I think they should suffer. I think they should lose their job. I think they should have to at least experience a, a, a few moments of the pain that I have. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone's. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Some of you heard that and went, wait a minute. I got to go back over there and be friends with them. I got to call them this weekend, bro. Hey, man, let's, let's meet for coffee and I'm buying. I got to get back into a close relationship. I got to trust them again. Is that what you're telling me? Absolutely not. That's not what he said here. He said, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them drink. What he's drawing it to is if they have hit a point where there is such a deep need that they have nothing that the love of God would supersede your actions and that his love will control your words and actions, not your hurt. If you saw that person's marriage fall apart, did you go, good. God got him. Or did we go, oh my God, what's going to happen to them and their kids? Did our heart break because they lost absolutely everything and we went, finally. And you sit hungry for a couple days and see how it is. You worry about where your next meal is coming from because that's kind of the equivalent of what I did. Or 
do we say never take revenge leave that leave it walk away from it drop it off in god's hands and walk away from it do not take anything into your own hands leave it to the righteous anger of god not the anger of god the righteous anger of god because in doing so they remember what they did to you and when you say i know you did me wrong but i know you're suffering and what god has commanded me to do is help those who are in need and so if you have a need i can try to help meet this need right now doesn't mean you go back trusting them. Doesn't mean you get back in the relationship with them. Doesn't mean that you be homies with them. Doesn't mean you go hang out with them. None of that. Meet that need. And then in doing so, they're going to go, I treated that person so wrong. And here they are helping me. For some of us, that sounds good but you have made a promise to yourself that ain't nobody doing that to me again. And to ensure nobody does that to you again, hurts you again, wounds you again, you're on the lookout. Only you didn't just take the morning shift of the lookout. You took the morning, the afternoon, the evening, and the overnight shift and you are exhausted from waiting who else is going to try to hurt me. I'm already bleeding from this leg. I'm not going to give you this one. And I'm over here up all night, not sleeping. It's tormenting me. It's, it's dominating my prayer time. It's dominating my conversations. And I am constantly on guard. I've got my sword and my shield. And I am not looking at anything else except with distrust to everyone around me. Because I'm telling, I'm, I am sure I'm not going to let you let, do this to me again. And because... You don't want a repeat. You relive it, you stay bleeding, and now on top of it, you are mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. <clears throat> but if you would take that person off of your hook, if you would stop replaying the scenario if you would not let it be any of your identity if you would stop looking back at that moment and leave all of those situations with the lord then you are free of the burden of making sure someone else pays the price for what they did it's two things i'm sure of there is a god number one and number two i'm not him and when I try to creatively find a way to pay the people back, when I creatively find a way to pay the people back who hurt me, I'm telling God, I want to do your job. <clears throat> Everybody pretty much stops when you read Philippians 4, 8. Oh, this is the list of things I'm supposed to do. Think about these things but they never keep going, or very rarely keep going to verse nine. So now, after Paul gives us the things we're supposed to think about, now let's 
look what he says next in verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. If you are fixing your mind, replaying the hurt over and over again, if that's what you're doing, you are doing that at the price of your peace. He just said, put into practice, keep your mind focused. I just taught you about what to put your mind on. And if you'll do that, then the God of peace will be with you. Peace is only found on the other side of correct, biblical, God-honoring thinking. And if we're going to heal, we have to determine now that we're going to change the channel. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you one last story before we wrap up and get into worship here today. And, that, and I told this story about a year ago, so you may be mildly familiar with it, but I'll remind you. There was a woman who was um, going for a run in Central Park, and it was at night, and so she got on her running clothes and shoes and went out for a run, and um, while she was there, she was running at night, um, there was a very wicked man who, um, I'll keep it rated PG for the service here today, but he horrifically assaulted her. drug her into the bushes and beat her senseless while he was assaulting her. He left her there to die because he thought he had done enough number on her and knocked her unconscious that there's no way she could live and left her there and sometime later she woke up. She was beaten, broken, one of her eyes was swollen, her she barely had any clothes left on her because they had been ripped in the assault. And so she gathered up what little bearings that she had and stood and ran to the street and tried to flag down a car to try to help her. And she saw a car coming and she stumbled into the road and waved them down and said, can you please help me? Can you please help me? And the car stopped and out of the car came the man who had just assaulted her. He drug her back into the, 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 the brush and assaulted her again and beat her again. Somehow, by the grace of God, she survived and they caught the man who assaulted her. <clears throat> And they put him on trial and found him guilty. And right before the sentencing, they asked her, did she want to say anything? It's a moment for the victim to address the judge and the jury who's going to sentence the person who's done the act to them, to remind them one last time, to hear their voice of the person who suffered. And the woman stood up and said, um, I'm glad that he's been caught. I'm glad he's been convicted. But whatever punishment you decide is worthy, that's on you. 
I follow Christ. And he's commanded me in his word to forgive. And I've forgiven the man. He needs to pay for what he did, but I've forgiven him. And she walked and sat down. After the, the trial, these people came to her and said, what is the matter with you? How could you not bury your heart before the judge before he sentenced to make sure this guy got the maximum amount of punishment? Don't you want him punished? And she said, yeah, I want there to be some punishment, but I had to forgive him. And they're like, how could you do that? Are you just in denial? Are you just you know, not thinking straightly? And she said, no, this man took one day of my life. I will not give him another. The wound that happened to you was absolutely real. That person took a day. But when you replay the scenario over and over and over and you keep the wound open, you give them that day. You are giving a day where you could be focused on what is good, what is holy, what is pure, what is righteous, what is a good report, what is worthy of praise. You give the day away. They shouldn't have done the thing to you. They're 100% wrong. We still got to give, forgive, stop replaying, and not live there, but heal and follow God forward. I am imploring you. I am begging you. Do not give them or the enemy who desires for you to not follow God forward and stay right where you are, don't give him another day. You have been given the power to choose. And you get to choose where to put your attention.